On a humid August morning in 1967, a cyclist will call Tim bike near the woods outside of Chicago, Illinois. Once he tired out, he took a rest by the Des Plaines Riverbank. As he marveled at nature's serene beauty, Tim heard a strange call. Tim walked his bike along the town path looking for its source. He noticed an orange glow coming from the trees across the river, then a figure emerged from the light. At first, all he could see was the silhouette of a tall man. But when he looked closer, he realized it was some kind of huge animal. Tim estimated it was six and a half feet tall and covered with jet black hair, Bigfoot. The creature knelt by the water and began to drink. Awed, Tim tried to stay quiet, but he could feel his allergies flaring. He had to cough. At the noise, the ape looked up. It scanned the riverbank, searching for the source. Tim decided this was a good time to get the heck out of there and pushed his bike back onto the path. Luckily, when he looked back across the river, Bigfoot was gone. Tim exhaled a sigh of relief until he glanced over his shoulder and suddenly there it was. The ape was on his side of the river, just 30 feet away. The Sasquatch dug up a large stone and hurled it in Tim's direction. He dove out of the way, but the creature just scooped up more rocks and threw them like baseballs. Tim fled on his bicycle, putting every ounce of energy into the pedals. The beast howled and chased after him. Its speed was inhuman. Within seconds, it was only inches away. Tim prayed for a miracle and got it. When he glanced over his shoulder, he saw Bigfoot vanish into thin air. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from ParCast. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is our second episode on Bigfoot, a famous giant primate that supposedly lives in North America. It's so elusive, no one has ever caught one of the creatures, or so we've been told. Last time, we went through the murky history of Sasquatches, from mythological wild men to opportunistic pranksters. This episode will explore the three main conspiracy theories that try to explain why Bigfoot is still officially undiscovered. It could be that Sasquatches are simply unmatched in their ability to hide, or that they possess supernatural powers, or perhaps the U.S. government is coercing witnesses to keep silent about seeing the creatures. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. There's one thing we can all agree on. Dealing with pests is a pain. But luckily, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. So if your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. 
Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Bottling everything up can be really bad for you in the long run and have some terrible consequences. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. The more you let things build up, the more of a toll it can take on your mental health. I know for me, in dealing with some traumatic events in my life, I had the tendency to think, well, they've already happened. I'm okay. Other people have it worse. It doesn't matter much. And through therapy, was really able to understand how those events impacted me and changed how I'd start to see the world in ways that weren't great and were sometimes making my life worse. So therapy or dealing with any traumatic events you've had might really help you in terms of how you can live in the present moment now. So if you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also really easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash conspiracy. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. The earliest humans didn't exist until about 2.5 million years ago. Cave painting, believed to be the earliest sign of their culture, first appeared some 45,000 years ago. But during those long millennia, our ancestors weren't alone. At least a dozen other upright primates, called hominids, walked the Earth too. Our closest relatives, the Neanderthals, were skilled hunters and artists. Other species shared our mastery of stone tools and fire. However, that family tree has withered. As far as we know, we're the last of the hominin species. Unless you believe in a long-lost cousin hiding in the remote forests of North America. Bigfoot. That brings us to conspiracy theory number one. Sasquatches are wild animals that are rare enough or smart enough to avoid being seen by humans. To understand how that's possible, we need to start with what we know, or think we know, about Bigfoot. Its evolution, habitat, and behavior. From there, we'll try to figure out how it's managed to stay hidden all these years. For his book, Bigfoot in Evolutionary Perspective, author T.A. Wilson combed through a database of 4,000 Sasquatch sightings. He identified the features the stories had in common and used those to describe a so-called typical Sasquatch. Wilson's model Bigfoot looked a lot like an oversized person. It moved on two legs and had a flat face with humanoid hands and feet. He also concluded that Sasquatches appear to be omnivorous, like us. A woman once saw a juvenile Bigfoot eating berries. Other people have seen them consuming raw meat and garbage. Once he had a solid description of Bigfoot, Wilson wanted to know where this creature came from. While he could draw some conclusions by comparing its anatomy to ours, to understand how it had evolved, the author needed to find a common ancestor, 
Fortunately, there were several candidates who fit the profile. In the early days of Sasquatch research, most people believed that Bigfoot was a descendant of an extinct Asian ape, one known as Gigantopithecus blackie. As the name suggests, it was enormous. Scientists estimated that it probably stood 10 feet tall and weighed anywhere between 500 and 1,000 pounds. However, according to Wilson, that's where the similarities ended. Gigantopithecus had a very different diet and was more closely related to orangutans than to humans. So Wilson proposed a better alternative, Australopithecus. Australopithecus isn't part of Homo sapiens' evolutionary history, but it has fascinated archaeologists since its discovery. On November 24, 1974, two paleoanthropologists were excavating fossils in Ethiopia when they uncovered something amazing. Buried in the sandstone was a skeleton of a young woman. She was small, around three and a half feet tall, and when she was alive, she would have weighed just over 60 pounds. But she was remarkable because she looked like a cross between a human and a chimpanzee, and she was more than three million years old. The skeleton, nicknamed Lucy, belonged to a species of primates named Australopithecus afarensis. They were omnivorous, intelligent, and probably covered with hair. Basically, they were Bigfoot, but smaller. If Australopithecus had survived, the creature might have learned how to hide from its more aggressive cousin, Homo sapiens. It could have grown in size and adapted to the climate of the Pacific Northwest, eventually becoming Sasquatch. However, in nature, bigger isn't always better. Think about how much food a 150-pound person eats on a daily basis. Now imagine weighing 500 or 1,000 pounds. It's a lot. Because of this, many people have wondered how a Sasquatch could survive during winter when food is scarce. Unlike bears, they don't seem to hibernate, meaning they'd have to scavenge all year round. Statistically, a few would die from starvation and humans would find their bodies. But that hasn't happened. Anyone who wants to trek deep into the Canadian wilderness is welcome to search. But the truth is, nature covers her tracks fairly quickly. In a rainy place like the Pacific Northwest, a body could completely disappear in a matter of months, and there's still a lot of unexplored territory. That's true. In 1957, federal wildlife authorities discovered an entire herd of Canadian wood bison, which had been previously considered extinct. It's also possible that, like many animals, Sasquatches hide when they're sick or injured, which would make it a lot harder for people to find a body. That said, people have likely lived in the Americas for tens of thousands of years. With those odds, you'd think someone would have stumbled on a Bigfoot corpse by now. Unless they bury their dead. As far as we know, mortuary practices began with Neanderthals less than 100,000 years ago. Some paleoanthropologists consider burial to be a mark of advanced intelligence. Before that point, Family members were simply left to rot. Unfortunately, Wilson's own research cast doubt on the Sasquatch burial theory. Bigfoot doesn't seem intelligent enough to inter their dead. They don't even seem to have primitive technology. Eyewitnesses almost never mention Sasquatches using hunting tools or fire, things that existed long before funerals. 
an anthropologist named Dr. Grover Krantz estimated that the average Bigfoot was smarter than a gorilla, but far less intelligent than a human or even a Neanderthal. The truth is we won't know exactly how clever Sasquatches are until primatologists can study one up close. Until that happens, there's no way to adequately gauge their mental abilities, especially since they're notoriously shy around people. Even without access to a live specimen, Sasquatch researchers have deduced a lot from the other clues they've allegedly left behind. For example, Last time, we discussed how Dr. Krantz analyzed the depth of a Sasquatch footprint to determine its weight. Also, the human-like shape allowed him to place the species in our own evolutionary timeline. And sometimes, Sasquologists get more to work with than just muddy tracks. In recent years, DNA sequencing has made it possible to identify animals from the smallest clues. A veterinarian named Dr. Melba Ketchum was uniquely positioned to prove Bigfoot's existence to the world since she ran a genetic testing company. First, she collected hundreds of samples of suspected Bigfoot blood, hair, and skin. Then she picked the most promising tissues and compared their DNA with other known species. On February 13, 2013, she published a paper alleging that Sasquatches were even more closely related to humans than anyone had realized. She claimed that Bigfoot was descended from an unknown primate and a human. Ketchum stated that somewhere in our distant past, Homo sapiens had mated with another hominid, and that had created a new hybrid species, Bigfoot. Unfortunately, Ketchum's work didn't stand up to scrutiny. She published in an online-only journal with an amateurish website. The only paper listed was her own. And a quick look at her testing company's profile on the Better Business Bureau site reveals further issues. Customers claim she'd charge them money for tests she never performed, then refused to issue refunds. In fact, a British geneticist named Brian Sykes studied her work and concluded that Ketchum had accidentally contaminated her samples. In his book, Bigfoot, Yeti, and the Last Neanderthal, he claimed that her results were the product of sloppy science. That said, people keep finding new samples every year, so it's possible one will eventually turn out to be authentic. True, but they haven't yet. If Sasquatches were actual primates, someone should have found a body by now. Or something more substantive than footprints in a possibly faked video. On a scale of 1 to 10, where 1 is unbelievable and 10 is essentially true, I give conspiracy theory number 1 a 4. Well, there's a lot of wilderness out there. Maybe, like the wood bison, Bigfoot is just really good at hiding. In the meanwhile, footprints are still good evidence, and they support Wilson's Australopithecus argument. But until one is actually found, I give this theory a 1 out of 10. It's hard to evaluate the clues we do have, because a lot of Bigfoot fanatics make the same big mistake. They cherry-pick the data to fit their case. As for T.A. Wilson, he assumed there had to be a natural scientific explanation for Bigfoot and set out to prove it. To support that theory, he ignored the more outlandish accounts. But many close encounters are bizarre and border on the impossible. People have seen Sasquatches doing incredible things, like vanishing into thin air. 
Perhaps they're not wild animals, but intelligent beings from another planet or dimension. Coming up, we explore whether Bigfoot is something otherworldly. The worst serial killer. The creepiest cult. The most outrageous con. If you're a true crime fan, you've probably pondered these things. Well, now you can get answers, or at least some passionate opinions. Every week on our podcast, Crime Countdown, my co-host Ash and I rank 10 unsettling crimes centered around a common theme, debating each case with just a hint of humor to lighten the mood. Elena and I may not be experts, and we may not always agree, but we're counting down anyway. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Crime Countdown. Listen free on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to our story. In the past few decades, many Sasquatch researchers have tried to demystify Bigfoot by treating it like any other undiscovered animal. They photographed footprints, interviewed witnesses, and constructed scientific theories about it. But some sightings defied the laws of physics. Sasquatch researcher T.A. Wilson deliberately excluded these stories from his analyses because he thought they were simply too out there. Perhaps that was a mistake. Some would say a real scientist isn't afraid to examine all of the evidence, no matter how absurd it seems at first. This is the argument behind conspiracy theory number two, that Bigfoot is either an extraterrestrial or supernatural being with powers beyond human comprehension. Let's return to our friend Tim. Supposedly in 1967, a Sasquatch that was chasing him suddenly disappeared and he couldn't explain how the creature had done it. There weren't any trees wide enough for Bigfoot to hide behind. He didn't hear it change directions. It simply went poof. Afterwards, Tim tried to tell people about what had happened, but no one believed him. So he kept his mouth shut and tried to put the whole horrible experience out of his mind. But the feeling of dread never left him. Finally, in 2015, he reached out to a paranormal investigator named Linda Godfrey to share his story. Intrigued, Linda decided to search for other paranormal activity near Chicago in August 1967. Linda uncovered key information thanks to the Mutual UFO Network, or MUFON, the oldest and largest UFO research organization on the planet. Their records included a report about two teenagers who'd seen a triangular UFO just three miles away from where Tim was attacked. We could dismiss this as a coincidence, except UFO and Bigfoot sightings seem to overlap fairly frequently, enough to make anyone a little suspicious. Consider one account from a Pennsylvania farm in 1973. At 9 p.m. on October 25th, a crowd of 15 people saw a glowing red ball descend from the sky and land on a nearby hill. A man who we'll call Stephen and two local boys drove out to get a closer look. 
As they approached the light, the electronics in their car sputtered out. The three continued on foot until they saw a flying saucer parked on a hill. The spaceship was about 100 feet wide and looked like a white bubble with a dome on top. It made weird mechanical noises, and the air around it smelled like burnt rubber. What's more was that two Sasquatches stood near the craft. They were at least seven feet tall with glowing eyes, and they talked to each other in a language that sounded like babies squealing. The creatures moved towards Stephen, and he grew afraid. He had his hunting rifle, so he fired around in the air to scare them off. But they didn't seem to notice, so he fired again. Panicking, one of the boys ran back towards their house. Meanwhile, the beings kept coming. Now Stephen aimed carefully and shot one three times in the chest. This got their attention. The bullets didn't kill the animal, but it did turn around and walk into the woods. Then the spaceship disappeared. Around 9.45, Stephen returned home and called the police. A state trooper arrived and the two returned to the scene. While the ship was long gone, the grass where it had previously rested still glowed with an unnatural light. As he knelt down to investigate, Stephen felt violently ill. He shook and thrashed until the trooper carried him away. Apparently, UFO investigators who checked out the landing spot later on also became dizzy and even had trouble breathing. Incidents like this, where people saw Sasquatches right next to UFOs, were fairly rare. But there were plenty of cases where one person glimpsed a UFO within hours or days of a Bigfoot sighting. In a lot of these situations, witnesses often reported that the creatures had glowing red eyes. T.A. Wilson discussed this phenomenon in his book. He argued that the red sheen was caused by a reflective layer of tissue behind the retina, similar to how a cat's eyes shine at night. However, these tissues are virtually unheard of in large primates, and many witnesses didn't actually say Bigfoot's eyes were shiny. They said they glowed, as if they were lit from inside. In addition, some people swore they'd seen Sasquatches use paranormal abilities, like telepathy. This may seem far-fetched, but it could explain the disappearing act Tim witnessed. If these beings could reach into people's heads, they wouldn't have to physically vanish. They could just choose not to be seen. In his book, The Psychic Sasquatch and Their UFO Connection, author Jack Lapsaritis collected dozens of first-hand accounts involving telepathy. In one, a weary Bigfoot sat next to a rock collector from Texas and spoke with him for hours. The Texan said he'd felt the being's voice inside his head. The writer even apparently had his own encounters with Sasquatches, including late-night visits in his bedroom. He was frequently awakened by seven-foot-tall creatures who told him, telepathically, not to be afraid. When he looked down, he saw their legs disappearing into the floorboards. To be clear, Jack didn't believe the animals were actually there, at least not physically. He thought they were astral projections or disembodied souls. They'd left their physical bodies behind, allowing them to travel great distances. One Bigfoot told him that she was actually aboard a spaceship, but she and her companion had projected themselves into his room. 
When the conversation was over, they faded away, leaving no trace behind. This disappearing act led Jack to believe they hadn't just come from another world, but another dimension. If Sasquatches are capable of interdimensional travel or astral projection, it's no wonder they don't leave much evidence behind. Even if one died on Earth, the body might end up on another planet or on another physical plane. But all that is contingent on if the alien paranormal theory is true. And that's a pretty big if. Right now, we don't have anything to go on besides eyewitness testimony. The physical evidence we do have, like footprints, could have been made by a primate. From a scientific perspective, we don't need a supernatural explanation. In fact, there isn't a whole lot of support for this idea, even among sesquologists. As Wilson pointed out, these creatures were seen eating garbage. It's not exactly the behavior you'd expect from a highly advanced civilization. So I rate conspiracy theory number two, a two out of 10. I agree, especially because there's no evidence that telepathy exists, let alone that Sasquatches are capable of it. Until someone proves otherwise, I rate this theory a one. But even though we find the idea far-fetched, that isn't to say some sort of vital clue couldn't change our minds. Truthfully, there's still a lot we don't know about Sasquatches. Perhaps because that evidence is being deliberately withheld. Which is why some Sasquologists allege there's a cover-up underway. Bigfoot could be out there, and the government may be hiding the bodies. Coming up how government agencies may have buried the truth about Sasquatch. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Now back to our story. Sasquatch believers have put out hundreds of books, YouTube videos, and websites citing the evidence for America's favorite cryptid. But so far, they've been limited by one key problem. No one has ever found a Bigfoot corpse or captured one alive. Apparently, the creatures were either too shy or too clever to ever get caught. Unless, of course, you believe conspiracy theory number three. The U.S. federal government is deliberately keeping Bigfoot a secret. And for all we know, they may have one in captivity. Believe it or not, elected officials in both the U.S. and Canada have actually tried to help Bigfoot over the years. For example, in 1969, county commissioners in Washington state made it illegal to kill a Sasquatch. And as recently as 2007, a Canadian MP named Mike Lake presented a petition to Parliament that would protect Bigfoot as an endangered species. 
In addition, federal agencies have also lent their services to Sasquatch researchers. In 1977, the FBI tested 15 hairs and a bit of skin from the site of a suspected Bigfoot encounter. Government scientists ultimately determined they came from a deer. It's worth mentioning, though, that the FBI didn't actually tell anyone about their results until 2019, and when they finally released the report, it was incomplete. In response to a Freedom of Information Act request, the FBI admitted that part of the document was missing. They claimed it was filed incorrectly, but some people suspected a cover-up. It's possible that the scientists were coerced into hiding the real test results by some unknown higher-ups. They allegedly used similar tactics on law enforcement officers who got a little too close to the truth. Take April 2009. A Missouri police officer, who we'll call James, responded to a 911 call in the middle of the night. It was supposed to be a run-of-the-mill animal nuisance at a farm outside of town. But when James arrived, he found the farmer in a state of panic. She'd heard a vicious animal banging on her barn and terrorizing her cattle. In the distance, she'd seen this enormous creature running around the edge of her estate. It was so large, she thought it had to be a bear. James dutifully recorded her statement and went outside to take a look around. He found the farm in complete disarray. The side of the chicken coop had been ripped off, leaving a gaping hole, and the barn had enormous dents in it where something had tried to batter its way inside. Even weirder, the creature left what appeared to be muddy fingerprints behind. Fingers that looked human. James photographed everything before calling the Missouri Department of Conservation. Since the woman had initially mentioned a bear, it seemed the best move, since the agency normally handled matters related to wildlife. James relayed what he'd found and was assured that someone from their agency would contact him soon. But days went by and James heard nothing. When he followed up, the person he spoke to said that an agent had already been to the property and had determined a bear was responsible. But the more James thought about it, the less likely this explanation seemed. Bears almost never visited that part of Missouri, and they weren't known to attack property. So James went back to the farm for a stakeout. He said a quick hello to the owner, then returned to his car, rolled down his windows, and waited. The night was cold and dead silent. For a while, nothing happened. And then he heard it. Something large was moving through the woods. It shuffled back and forth, staying just out of sight. When James shined his spotlight at the tree line, the sounds abruptly stopped. He never got a great look at the animal, but he returned several more times to follow up, until the chief of police summoned James to his office. It was a noticeably different meeting than he was used to with his boss. As he pulled into the city hall parking lot, James noticed a black Crown Victoria with tinted windows, the kind of car he'd seen federal agents drive. When he entered the chief's office, it was already full. Besides his boss, he saw the mayor, two Department of Conservation agents, and a man who only identified himself as a consultant. According to James, the consultant gave off a distinct military vibe, not unlike a Secret Service agent. To James' astonishment, the conservation agents started asking about the old woman's farm. 
They wanted to know exactly what she'd seen that night and if he'd spotted the supposed bear himself. James was always one to cooperate. He'd even work with the FBI and Interpol on separate cases. But this was different. It felt somehow hostile, like an interrogation he didn't deserve. After debriefing James on what he'd seen, the conservation agents and their mysterious consultant confiscated everything, including James' notes, photographs, and entire case file. The mayor told him that his investigation was over. He ordered James to stay away from the woman's farm and to let the feds do their job. But James was unable to forget the experience. He replayed the meeting in his head over and over. None of it made any sense. So the next day, he decided to get answers. He ignored his chief's directive and called a friend who worked as a dispatcher. James asked his buddy to look up the farmer's initial 911 plea. But to his dismay, the friend confessed that the tape had gone missing. In fact, there was no record of the call ever being placed. By this point, James figured he'd run out of options. So he went back to the farmer and told her there wasn't anything more he could do. In retrospect, he probably should have stayed away altogether. In the weeks following that encounter, not only was James scrutinized by his superiors, but they began writing him up for minor infractions. And it all came to a head when about five weeks later, James' chief confronted him once more about visiting the woman's farm. He offered James a choice, quit or be fired. So James reluctantly handed in his resignation letter. Given his excellent record, he assumed he'd find a new job easily, but he couldn't even get an interview at another law enforcement department. He suspected that he had been blacklisted. By whom? He didn't know. According to sesquologist Wes Germer, James' story wasn't unique. While interviewing James for his podcast, The Sasquatch Chronicles, Wes mentioned that he knew several other cops who'd been fired for investigating cryptid-related incidents. Oftentimes, the targets were ordinary people. One man who claimed to have shot a Bigfoot said two government agents interrogated him at his home. Supposedly, one of the agents threatened him, saying, quote, You did not see what you think you saw, and it would be in your best interests not to tell anyone. Other accounts featured all sorts of intimidation and surveillance. Even famous sesquologists like Tom Powell weren't immune. In 2001, two farmers in Washington state reached out to Powell after they found giant footprints on their property. With their help, Powell placed motion-activated cameras all over the homestead. They only managed to capture a few blurry images, but Powell was certain they'd find better proof given enough time. Then one day, he received a panic phone call from the farmers. They told him that burglars had broken into their home and stolen the camera footage. Powell was ready to write this off as a coincidence until he came home one day to find that someone had ransacked his house, too. Oddly, the TV and other valuables were untouched. The only things they took were his Bigfoot photos and hair samples from the farm. Worried for the farmer's safety, he called off the investigation. Powell knew a cover-up was underway, but he had no idea why or by whom. But he had a valuable clue from an anonymous source he calls Marty. 
Marty sent an email to the Bigfoot Field Research Organization, or BFRO, where Powell was a field investigator. In it, Marty described a shocking incident he'd seen firsthand. On August 7, 1999, hundreds of rescue workers were called to the scene of a large brush fire near Battle Mountain, Nevada. Teams of firefighters grappled with 1,000-degree heat and fierce winds that threatened to overrun their tenuous perimeter. It was less than 50% contained, even after consuming almost 200,000 acres of forest. In the midst of the chaos, one of the teams saw a large animal limping on all fours away from the flames. As it approached, they noticed it looked like a seven-foot-tall ape. The firefighters cornered the beast and shot it with a tranquilizer dart. And up close, it was unlike anything they'd ever seen. It had the face and hands of a human. The supervisor on duty didn't know what to do with it, so he called whatever federal agencies he could think of. Marty provided Powell with details about the animal's treatment and care, specifics that only an EMT or medical professional would know. The last thing he saw was the Sasquatch being loaded into an unmarked van. Marty said that over two dozen witnesses saw the creature, but their supervisors ordered them to keep quiet about the affair. To the best of our knowledge, all of them did, except Marty. Three years after their interview, Powell reached out to Marty for more details. In response, Marty sent an email saying he could no longer talk about it since the Federal Department of the Interior had classified everything. After hearing this story, Powell was convinced that the government was covering up the existence of Bigfoot. After racking his brain for possible motives, he came up with six. Two were very similar to others in the list, so we'll only discuss the remaining four here. Those are paternalism, love of secrets, conservation, and secret research. The paternalism theory basically boiled down to the idea that Bigfoot's discovery might cause a panic, and the government wanted to avoid that. It's true that proof of Sasquatch's existence could generate a lot of buzz, but in our age of social media, it would probably be old news in a month. The second possibility was that all governments love their secrets. It's hard to argue with this one. For instance, documents from the Cold War are still being declassified, even though they've been outdated for decades. Classifying files is one thing, but this sounds like a very expensive cover-up, and there's no good reason to put all that time and energy into keeping Sasquatch a secret. The third option suggests that the U.S. government kept Sasquatches hidden to protect them from hunting. That has a certain kind of logic to it, especially if you assume that Bigfoot is an endangered species. Except we know that vulnerable animals are protected by the Endangered Species Act, which makes poaching illegal. That only applies to officially recognized species. If anything, publicizing Bigfoot's existence would make it easier to help it. That leaves the last theory that Sasquatches were being used for top secret research. Some Sasquologists believe that Bigfoot uses infrasound, a low-frequency hum, to communicate over long distances. And infrasound can also be used as a weapon to cause disorientation and brain and ear damage. It could hold some sort of national defense application. That angle seems more far-fetched, since we know infrasound technology has been around for a very long time. 
Ultimately, we don't know what the government might glean from a Sasquatch corpse, if anything, because we've never seen one ourselves. If there is anything to be learned, it makes sense that the government would do whatever it could to find the creature, if it held any sort of advantage. In Tom Powell's story is possible evidence of a cover-up. Rate conspiracy number three, a three. But Powell never actually said the government burglarized his home. It could have been a fellow Sasquatch hunter looking for a leg up. And given the massive amount of money and manpower needed to keep Sasquatch's secret for decades, this seems incredibly unlikely. I rate conspiracy theory number three, a two. I will say, though, out of all we've covered today, the idea that Bigfoot could be a fellow hominid seems most likely, maybe even the missing link between humans and primates. And even if Sasquatches aren't real, there's still a lot we can learn from their legends. No one knows exactly why our species survived when Neanderthals and others died out. Perhaps the ancient tales of wild men, from Gilgamesh to the First Nations, offer clues to our past. Which means Bigfoot could be more than just an urban legend. It could be a window into our past and a mirror to what might have been. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. We'll be back next time with an all-new episode. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from ParCast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound design by Nick Johnson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Xander Bernstein, with writing assistance by Angela Jorgensen and Mackenzie Moore, fact-checking by Anya Bayerly, and research by Bradley Klein. Conspiracy Theories stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy.